This call is now being recorded. Hello, and welcome to the Bridge and the Gap podcast. This is Josh. And this is Max. And we're here once again this week to talk a little bit about what's, what's been going on. So, um, Max, what's anything special going on with you these days? I mean, real, I've got, I've got a special thing next week. I've got the DC trip. I've got a DC trip next week. Uh, but honestly, this week, has just been a, it's been a lot of chill, a lot of lamping, a lot of lamping this week. I, I have had work, but the nature of being a lifeguard, there's a lot of just sitting and waiting for stuff to happen. Uh, but however, I, I have heard that you have been trying to really pound through a TV show lately. I, well, well, as you know, we did, um, we finally finished Downton Abbey. It was done on May 31st, and I think that Molly and I were, like, finishing up the last episode at, like, 11.17 on May, 8.11.17 p.m. on May 31st. But it was, it was All a right. experience. We have not yet watched um, either of the movies. We were hoping to um, watch one or both of them when Mila came back, and she actually came back last night. And so Very nice. Pretty full house during that time. We got a Javen and Elijah's been here. Molly had her um, chaplain her chaplaincy. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So we've 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 not been lamping very much, but um, just trying to handle as much business as possible. I was um, I was going to um, audition for a Tool cover band that I was a little bit excited Ooh. that I was very excited about actually, and it was just a matter of me learning. I had to learn I want to say eight songs in seven days. But, um, you know, the, the thing about it that, that's kind of funky is, so I, I love Tool very, very much. Right. And, um, but then yes. their message is one that is, um, I, I can in my mind disaggregate, but their message is one that is anti-religious. Okay, wait, m- m- message or method? Because I'm mixing up. We're doing this. We're doing this one over the phone. Okay, right. cool, cool. Message is one that's anti-religious. And as a fan, I, I can disaggregate that, and I'm comfortable with that message. But the more I thought about it, um, I didn't know that I wanted to be the face of that. And the poli- I get it. Yeah, the, the active role felt weird. Yeah, well, it felt weird, especially considering the fact that Molly graduated from the chaplaincy program, which used to be a social public figure associated with the church. And then I yes. have been asked to be on the advisory council, which also makes me a, you know, kind of a public face for the church. And so I feel like to be doing those two things simultaneously, it would just seem too too much like cognitive dissonance for me. And I had to really think. And the thing was, was I, so I was really bummed to make the decision. And I kept thinking, you know, I wonder, I wonder who I can ask for, for advice about this. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know what, anyone who I actually ask for advice is going to say, think about it. And you probably, and, you know, think about what you feel. And if you're feeling this way, it's probably not the right fit for you. And so. That makes sense. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's a bummer to make the best decision sometimes because it's not always the decision you want to make, but that doesn't change the fact that it's still a good decision. I, I also have that I have blues bands on the horizon up the blues band, but that's for totally separate reasons that I don't need to get into on the podcast. True, true. Actually, let's like Downton Abbey, because we never actually talked about so I never finished Downton Abbey. I bel- how many seasons are there again? There are six seasons and six. I'm surprised if it, it was the fourth season that, that was kind of a dud. It definitely Probably yeah, yeah. The fifth and sixth season were well worth it. During midway through the fourth season, I was kind of um, 
uh, ho-hum. You were considering, yeah. I'm just wondering what we were doing. And we committed to it, and I was thinking, my goodness, there are two more seasons of this. They, they really brought it back. I'll, I'll tell you what, what we did also try to watch this week, um, since Javen was here. Um, we never watched uh, the, ca- the Falcon and the Winter uh, Soldier. And, yes. Um, boy, I, we, we had to stop. We had to say, you know what? This is this is this is not interesting. <laughs> I'm not, okay, cool. Okay, cool. Ooh, cool. I, I wish we had. I don't know how much of a fan Uncle T is of Falcon and Winter Soldier. We, I should. We one of us should text him after this because I was also not. I was. There was zero motivation to watch that show, and there was even zero motive. It was. Yeah, I was not a fan of that show, but. Um, yeah, so, so like the, so the premise of the show, I guess we should probably outline, is it's kind of, it's trying to be one of the more grounded Marvel products, wouldn't yeah, you say? I would definitely say that. There's definitely less, like, superhero stuff or super. Yes, it's more cloak and dagger. Right, and it was just, I just felt like it was boring to me. Um, it was boring. There, there were some really convenient um, points where people showed up in places where there's no real reason why they should have shown up there. And yes. um, I, I, I understand from you as well as others that both Loki and Hawkeye are better. But is Hawkeye more like a Captain the Winter Soldier sort of thing too? So so it is more um, – it's more compact, I would say, in that like it – like, so Falcon and Winter Soldier attempted to, from the get-go, have a grand global plot that's, you know, hit a bunch of different countries. It, it was trying to be a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. Okay. While, uh, while, like, Hawkeye was more of trying to be, uh, like, a PG-13 uh, John Wick. Where okay. it was, ve- exactly, where it was very, like, it operates within this general area um, there's a fighting of a group of bad guys, but it's not like we're stopping. He's not stopping a global terrorist craziness. Gotcha. But it's this, I I did like Hawkeye better, but also like the there the, there was a few things I think wrong with Falcon and Winter Soldier, including the the villain was terrible mm-hmm. the whole time. Mm-hmm. She was very she was very boring. Um, and the Marvel, I feel like, has always had a very has done a very bad job at um, being the devil's advocate when it comes to their their villains' um, ideologies. Gotcha. And this really showed that off. That, yeah, that's where it was, it just felt like it was convoluted too. Yes, exactly. There's too much stuff happening. There's the new, there's like the new Captain America guy who's mm-hmm. like kind of evil. Who like they seem to try to, I don't know how much you remember from the boys. Who they seem to like try to kind of make him into a Homelander character, but he's also barely in it. Like everyone is barely in the show. These right. are so much. And I, I felt Even, like Captain America's character was like not, it, it, he was not compelling. It looked like um, no. if they'd have chosen someone with like, uh, like who's genetically inferior to Chris Evans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then they gave him a bunch of steroids. They're like, here, these steroids will make you look slightly more like Chris Evans. You just have to do a lot of them. Well, and, well yeah, and exactly. I'm pretty sure that that actor is Kurt Russell's son, if I recall correctly. I don't know. Who, well, he also does the voice on Lower Decks. He's the main voice on Lower Decks. Ah, okay, okay. As I recall, I, how old is he? Like two, two or three episodes of that show? Yeah, yeah. Lower Decks. Internet in front of me, but 
Yeah, I do not I, either right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't think it was bad. It's just um, it's hard for me to focus on um, episodic television that's not uh, connected anymore. Yes. Like, like because I, I also. Well, 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 no, well, no. Even I would say, like, you could have been committed to it if it had just had a good single plot. Because that was kind of the cool thing about Hawkeye and about um, Moon Knight was that both of them were these very were like they were their own storyline that happened and existed and had its own group of of compelling characters. I don't recommend for you you to watch. Moon Knight. I don't think you would be particularly compelled by it, but it, it was very. It was an example of a standalone show that's even just one season having its own beginning, middle, end, and being gotcha. interesting the whole time. Gotcha, gotcha. And so I, I, I'm sorry to say that I did not come through with you or for you on the Love, Death, and Robots thing, just because I was that's, having to share TV time. With that's you. cool. That's cool. Love, Death, and Robots. So. Let's see, season three recently dropped on Netflix, but I just started now. It's What it is is it's animated shorts that could be either, I think the shortest one I found so far was like six minutes, and the longest one was 17. And they're all these little sci-fi just stories that kind of happen and have their own theme, and it really feels like just someone had a bunch of mini ideas and just was like throwing stuff at the wall for a few hours. And we're like, how about we do this? And someone's like, yeah, sure, what the heck? And it was, each episode has its own really unique animation style. Uh, one of them is a live action, actually. It's not even animation. Um, yeah, the episodes range from, like, like the first one we did watch, we watched, I want to say two together, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, okay, yeah, so what we watched together was one about three, three robots exploring a post-apocalyptic Earth where just all humanity was dead and they were kind of exploring and they were laughing at the human culture. And I I know I brought it up with you in casual conversation, but I don't think I brought it up here about how, like, I'm always... The joke of when people are in the past, of when characters are in the past, and then they make jokes like, the Internet will be a fad, or, like, who uses cell phones, or things like that has always annoyed me. But then I, But then I kind of found it funny when it was the opposite. Like when it was an outsider looking in and being like, whoa, that's weird that they would do that. As opposed to like the, who would do that? Like only only show I've ever seen that did that well was like BoJack. Because you know those days, like three episodes in the past, and there's like the one where he's like drinking Zima. He's like, why don't we even drink? <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, that's an awesome one. Uh, but, but yeah, like the first one's Post-Apocalypse Robots, and the other one that I loved, and that was the one that hooked me, was um, um, it, it was basically, basically a guy gets shipwrecked in the middle of space, and then someone finds him, and it kind of breaks down the mystery of why he got shipwrecked. And the ending is, that that definitely hooked me into that show. Is there any Very cool. To the shows? No, zero continuity. I feel like... I feel like someone who's really dedicated could argue there's continuity because of how sci-fi everything is. That you could argue that, like, well, this takes place in, you know, the other side of the galaxy. Or, like, this takes place in... Because, like, yeah, and there even some take place... I mean, one took place in the past. One, there was one where it was, like, during World War II, and um, aliens had crash-landed into Russia. So while the Russians were fighting in Stalingrad, um, like, Russian troops... We're like going through the forest fighting these huge mutant wolf things. 
that one was not one of my favorites just because, like, the, the ones that I found, found myself enjoying were the ones that became kind of like Black Mirror episodes right. where they had their own little commentary on society. Right. Like, the ones that were just wild were, like, it was cool, but it was different from, like, the ones where it was like, oh, this is a statement about something. This isn't just shooting aliens for ten minutes. Right. Like that Black Mirror episode on, like, social media. It is pretty amazing the sort of um, breadth that Netflix is willing to spend its money on to invest in. Yes. Like that's always you know, been very, very fun to me. Yeah, I'm very interested in, like, a Netflix documentary. Like, a, a, net, an, a documentary on Netflix and on how, like, why, why all of this is financially viable. Like, why they get some, because, like, what, what, what? what? I was just going to say, they got so lucky with House of Cards to begin with. Pretty that was their first original show. And they just, you know, totally knocked it out of the park. And I think it established them as credible for original entertainment. And then Stranger Things, I mean, I think, was another... Stranger Things was five years ago. That yeah. still, that this part two of the final season is coming out in, like, July. Mm-hmm. So many people watch that. I don't think, you didn't make it past season two of that one, did you? I did not. No, I didn't. I made it a little bit into season two, and then I stopped. But yeah, yeah. Our the, the TV shows we don't watch aside. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, well, actually, we never talk about so um, Down Abbey. So my issue with the, the reason why I dropped Down Abbey initially, well, and haven't picked it back up, is because um, I always felt that, in particular, this might have been a season four thing, but like it felt, well, it felt. Like, it didn't feel like a series at at one point. Like, it felt like everything began and ended in a single episode. And it made it so that, like, I didn't have any commitment to watch another episode because I knew all that would happen is the conflict would exist in one episode and then not be a thing in another episode. The conflict was never particularly interesting enough uh, to warrant to warrant that. Unlike, say, a Rick and Morty, where the conflict also exists and begins and ends in a single episode. And then, like, but always the conflict is interesting enough in those for me to warrant, like, okay, that was worth it to see something begin and end in 20 minutes. And sometimes they don't begin and end in 20 minutes, but that's a whole, it's a whole other conversation. Well, yeah, and, and I think that Rick and Morty was far more act-based, and um, in terms of there being the three very distinct acts in almost every episode, and yes. so, so distinct that it's practically a different show between each of those acts. Well, actually, well, actually, you know what I read? Well, uh, oh, was it actually? I forget. I, I don't think it was Justin Roiland or um, the other guy who wrote it. Um, but it was like one of their one of their other storyboarders who came up with this wheel scenario where it was like it was it was I forgot what he called it. I'm gonna look it up. I'll send it to you later. Um, but it's like it's a type of wheel. It was it's similar to the axe, but instead it was a wheel that was used to kind of show that like this thing, like this conflict, will keep on happening even after this episode is done. Like, the minute details of this conflict will. Not the very specific stuff, but maybe, like, if a character's insecurities were exposed, this is how we lead the audience to show that these insecurities still exist, even after this episode. Well, I, you know, I it's super cool. That, I also noticed that there seems to be even, uh, like, within the episode, and this would speak to the... Um, 
the the I guess ethos ethos of the show in that whatever the conflict was would remain a conflict almost in perpetuity. Yes. Whatever the thing was that drove, drove even if they got away from it, that the thing that the 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 issue would remain the same. That makes sense. It does, and uh, but, uh, uh, also, um, did you feel the way about Downton Abbey, or did you feel just, or only in season four, or what, what was it? Uh, four, it, was just, it just got boring. But it got boring. They, basically, by, by the fifth and sixth season, they're dealing with um, the uh, the nature of, basically, the Great Depression is kind of starting, and so they're realizing that they're kind of an anachronism, and that, first of all, in order to remain you know, an entity, they were going to have to start, you know, laying off people, but these people had, you know, committed their entire lives to them. So there's that, that, um, just that emotional touch of them trying to hold on, but it not, you know, especially if you know that even the smallest thing about history and you know the Great Depression is coming, you know that that form of life is not going to maintain. And so they have to make all sorts of adjustments in order to keep the abbey, so to speak, so they even there there comes a point where they have a um, like a public showing of it, and you've got all the peasants from town or all the you know regular townspeople all lined up to pay you know for five shillings or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is meant to like fund the hospital, but then you know one of the characters is like, no, you know what, we can do this to make a living because right now. <laughs> Not only are we not making a living, but it's actually costing us. And, you know, of course, there's conflict and trouble with, with that decision. Of course. And um, I, I, I found it to be a, 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 just a remarkably great show, especially by the end. Although I think I did tell you that more than two episodes of Downton Abbey to try to digest in one evening is, is too many. You, 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 yes. can, you can only take in so much of the old uh, dowager. But also <laughs> – <laughs> but also, I feel like also more than two hours of a single show becomes a lot in an evening. Because then it just begins to feel like overload of the content of that show. Um, like, like, right? Like, yeah, like, no, I, 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 I don't know how people binge shows, you know, and usually the term binge implies more than two hours. Yes, definitely. Let's see. Hmm. Then, yeah, like the last show, yeah, mo- most shows that I end up binging is because they're on in the background, like while I'm doing other stuff, or like I'm watching it and then I'm doing something and I'm watching it and then doing something and, and yeah. Hmm. I, I never do background um, television. No, you don't. You don't do a lot of background stuff in general, except may, like music. The music's a given for everybody, but yeah, you're not in in the background type of guy. But also, oh, speaking of not being in the background, um, something I've been kind of kicking around um, just because I was listening to my Pearl Jam and my Guns N' Roses, well, specifically Guns N' Roses, because I was getting into, I was really um, digesting uh, Use Your Illusion 1, and it just, it made me think, like, who are some of the best frontmen in rock and roll? Because I know that's, a, that's also a rock and roll term, the frontman, or it's a rock term. You know what? My my vision has really um, changed um, over the course of time, especially I guess as having played more guitar. I remember when I was younger, and um, Pearl Jam first came out, and you know I would have said you know Axl Rose of course also, but I remember being bummed when Eddie Vedder started playing guitar because I felt like playing the guitar distracted him from being a frontman, 
and then from being Eddie Vedder. What's that? From being Eddie Vedder yeah, to do that, yeah, yeah, from yeah. And because now he was kind of like chained to this area on the stage, and his mind was in different places. Um, but now I've grown to appreciate the old um, front man, musical frontman, or uh, I guess instrumentalist frontman, a whole lot more, obviously, because of most of the music that I listen to, like you know, Fish and the Grateful Dead and all that sort of thing. Of course, but, yes. I, I, you know, as as has been mentioned, I've been lucky enough to see two really remarkable frontmen in the last um, couple months, where we saw both Paul McCartney and Elton John separately. And, yeah. Um, it, it was it was interesting because you know Elton John is known for being flamboyant, having the crazy outfits and all that sort of thing, and he definitely he's definitely a frontman and he's definitely a showman. But as he's been doing this um, retirement tour for like five years, doing the same sets and all that sort of thing, it felt more canned. And um, but it's interesting because then I also saw Paul McCartney, and I am just as convinced of the canned nature of his, but it felt so much more organic the way uh, – now, he did more talking to the crowd, so that, that might be part of it as well. Um, where yeah. I don't – the only thing that Elton John said to the crowd had to do when he opened up the last song, which is that Cold Heart song. I don't know if you know it or not, but it was a – Oh, uh, I might. With Dua Lipa, it, it has a um, – Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I probably heard it at work. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you have. And so he mentions how, you know, it's not often that someone gets a, another top ten single 50 years into their career or whatever, which is kind of cool. I, I, I'm kind of whole home about that song because it really is just um, – it's him in interpolation of a song that is already his hit added into this other – you know, like it, it feels yes. a little bit easy to me, but it's also – I mean, it's a great song. So, so I mean, and so that is that is it's difficult – to with a straight face complain that there's something about Elton John that's cheesy because ultimately kind of his whole appeal is the cheese factor in the first place. Yes. Or at least at least a component of it is the cheese factor in the first place. Um anything hey, anything good on your I've um, I've actually got the friendly question for you, actually, also. Um, uh, uh, how important is it to you that a frontman writes their own songs? Because because I feel like it's very important, but then also Elton John is the, is then a dark horse, and then also yeah, like it's it's interesting, and then also because like Axl Rose also did not write everything; he wrote stuff, but I know that like other other people in the band contributed at one point or another. In particular, let's see, there's because not Slash, I know, you know, but like there was. Someone else who I can't think of. So I remember doing research for Appetite Destruction and seeing one of their names keep popping up. I don't know. Whose name would have been? Probably not Duff McKagan. Um, no. With a little bit of his own stuff, too. Um, you know, I. It might have been Duff. My favorite, oh, go on. My favorite band dynamic is when they, um, when they give the entire band writing credit for each song. That's like Queen. Like, what's that? Like Queen. That's late Queen stuff. Yeah. Like Queen, uh, I, th I think post the album, we, I, mean, I think that Jazz was like the last album where they ever had individual writing credits. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure Led Zeppelin, generally speaking, that it was by the band. Van Halen, they were all written by the entirety of the yes. band. 
Um, the, the Beatles are a little bit funky in that it was either John and Paul or George or Ringo. I think or George. Yeah. Or but and yeah, it, 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 but, but George because didn't George it was like one per album or something. Um, yeah, and then Ring, Ringo only he did Octopus Garden, wasn't that his? I think yeah, so. I think he did write it because um, I I think that that is his song. It's definitely the one that he sang, and I'm pretty sure that you're right that he did write that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I, I'm but let's. See. I I am I I think I think on Abbey Road I feel like it's Abbey Road is another is um, one of many perfect albums, but I think it it is the dud on the perfect album. Like I think like I like because I feel like you know, the end of the album is like that string of two minute long songs, right? And I feel like if you combine those two together, it's masterful, better than. Like, yeah, I think I think that's the dud. I like because that's got something. It's got um, it's got come together. It's got what else could be? Yeah, like it's it's a perfect. Okay. It's a perfect album. Uh, what? I thought you were listing duds by saying those, and I was. No, 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 no. No, I was listing tracks and just trying to think. Like, yeah, I think that is. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just so weird. Oh, um, not Don't Let Me Down, but, um, what is the other, I'll check, I've got access to Spotify, so I'll check, but while I do, uh, but while I do also, um, but, but yeah, like also what made me think of the Fretman thing, though, was, it was Axl Rose, because I was hearing him sing Civil War, and it was just like, it was that realization of like how, how much I associate my love um, of Guns N' Roses with his voice. Like, it's not the guitar, even though I still love Slash. It's not the drums. It's, it is his incredibly unique style of singing. Okay. Whenever that comes in, it is it's the, the number one force that makes Guns N' Roses un- unique amongst, like, m- any rock and roll band. Uh, that voice. Uh, that's well... That's why they were able to tour as Guns N' Roses without fan members, but not without him. Exactly. Oh, Oh Darling. That's what I've seen. That's my oh, favorite one on the album. Is Oh Darling. That's my favorite one on Abbey Road. And it's and, and 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 like that's the weird thing is that it's Oh Darling, and then it's Octopus Garden. So it's like my favorite, followed by what I already think is kind of the dud, and then it's like it's a we it's a weird come down. But yeah, that is the I th- I think that is the best song on Abbey Road is Oh Darling. Well, you know that is a standard like '50s doo wop product chord progression. Yes, I do. Ode to to '50s doo wop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it took me ten minutes to learn it because it's also, I think, the hardest thing in there is like a B minor. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe a B minor. You know, that's the song that when I um, was running that kid band last year, it's the song that I told that they had to learn for, uh, not for auditions, because they'd already been put into the band, but for the first song for us to, to do it. And it was really fun to see it all come together, because it, you know, the, the beat is a little bit challenging for a drummer, but it all, it, it, it came together. Came together yep, it, it all comes together. And any, Very nice. Um, any food stuff on your horizon or in the past? We didn't talk about the the um, uh, Korean barbecue. No, we did not. Oh, that was 
Well, that was absolutely delicious. Once we, once we got the fire under control, that was really good. Like I, we, we, we you and me, I feel like like we should remember that place next time. Like either you and me want to do something, or like a you and me Sabine thing, or like whenever we want to celebrate something, that should be the place to go. But also, oh, I saw um, the new Top Gun movie uh, two nights ago. Oh yeah. And it was surprisingly good. So I've um, I'd only seen the first like two thirds of the first Top Gun, and it was fine. And this was surprisingly good. Uh, Faith wanted to see it, and be- because I'm, I'm leave- leaving for Washington tomorrow, and so um, and so kind of as like just a last just hangout thing before before I leave for a week, um, we we went to Kentaro's for sushi because she thinks it's the best sushi place in town. It's not. Which is exactly, exactly. And um and then we also wanted to go see a movie. And we wanted to see initially uh the Nicolas Cage movie where where, where he plays himself. The unbearable way of yeah. But that's that it just left theaters, so Top Gun was number two. And it was it was surprisingly good. Like it um the, the action scenes were were um definite were they brought the thunder. They definitely did. Um the uh the new co Co guy, um, the new of the, I don't know how much you remember the guy who died, his son, okay. like the son of the guy who died in the first movie. Yeah, his call sign is Rooster. Whole time, all I could think of was, and this was one of the podcasts we didn't end up even recording, was that Allison Chains song. Right. <laughs> that was all I could think of the whole time. Any time they were like Rooster, and I was like, take him to kill the Rooster, and I, and it was annoying because I could think it the whole time, and I was like, she's not gonna get it because no one knows this song, but also. It, it made his call sign all the more ridiculous. That, like he was the, the rooster. So like, that's a ridiculous call sign. But also all of them are like it made me just think like call signs are kind of a ridiculous thing. So, like, what would my call sign be? And I was like, I'm, it would be like a sea thing, like a fish or like something aquatic because of how much I swim. But then it was also like it's kind of a ridiculous thing though. Like he's the rooster. No. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I, the bargainer. I am anti Top Gun, the original movie. Um, but I, two or three, every thing I've heard about this new one is it's actually surprising to everyone. Everyone yes. who are not in the minority by that means on it. Which, which, you know, I'm, I'm happy for because I know that um, a lot of people have the hate on for Tom Cruise. I got no hate on for Tom Cruise. He's a professional, he's done a lot of work. All right. Oh, and we also saw the trailer. New, speaking of Tom Cruise, new Mission Impossible coming out. Mission Impossible, I think seven. Which looks it, it it's gonna be another Mission Impossible. Like it'll be, yeah, yeah, heck yeah. He, he knows what's up, and he and that's the weird thing too. With these, like, so Val Kilmer had like had, had had a bit part in it because you know he's not super healthy. He's you know not doing too great. And it, and it was and it was weird seeing him. It, it was like Tom Cruise. Like I was already like Tom Cruise looks good. And I know he's old. And there's Val Kilmer, and I was like Tom Cruise looks really good. Like that's why we're like, wow, he's like the effort put into that is crazy. Like he really looked. Yeah, it's crazy. 
Uh, but, uh, oh, 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 yeah, that, that is the, oh, oh, yeah, so my food, I guess food stuff would be Kentaro's on Friday, and then we'll probably get something fun in D.C., and, and, yeah, oh, free pizza from work today, because, oh, the, yeah, exactly, yeah, 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 so, so what happened was, I guess today, it was, it was overcast for most of today, and it just cleared up. But at work, so, so, so how it actually works for birthday parties is, um, it's 30 people to, you have 30 people you can invite at, at most to a birthday. So we show up and they go, hey, throughout the day, eight birthdays are going to happen. Four in one shift, four, four at one chunk of time and four at another chunk of time. So at any moment, there will be at least 120 people on the facility, which is not a lot. Wackford can hold, Wackford can probably hold um, over 600, like easy. So, 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 so they're basically saying like no matter what, there will be people in the pool today. And afterward, we were talking, and I was like, so how many people do you think were there today? And they were like, yeah, um, that was like the 120 people that were there was everyone that was there. And the snack bar had prepped. Oh yeah, and then the snack bar had prepped as if the 120 people were going to be there. And regular people were going to be there. So they had 20 pizzas that they were like, who wants these? Please, anyone. And we were like, eh. And so there was a lot of a lot of full boxes taken home, oh, taken home jealous. today. So jealous. Yeah. Some free food. It'll come um, back, too. That being said, I will be very curious to hear about what's going on uh, next week with you. Um, uh, happy travels, of course. Uh, remember, uh, once in a while, you get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right. See you guys around.